Okay, Walid, hi. Welcome to Lemon Slices. Really nice to have you on there. The first of the Lemon Slices <laughs> shows, so we're really proud to have you. I, I'm going to go straight into it without hesitation. So, you know, right now the data is absolutely conclusive that greenhouse gases, especially carbon dioxide, are driving up the global temperatures. We are going to incinerate the planet with our <laughs> recklessness. Is it too late? Uh, hi, Matt, and thank you so much, you know, for having me on this inaugural uh, show. I'm very excited to be here. Yeah, is it too late? That's a good question, because if I was to say, yes, it is too late, you know, we're probably going to have an attitude of, well, let's just crack open a can of beer and let's enjoy it before it's the last second of the end of the year. But yeah, it isn't quite too late. And, you know, when you do listen to some of the David Attenborough shows, you know, he also says the situation is stark. You know, we are in trouble. Um, but it's still time to change it. What we have to remember is that whether you're looking at climate change or the degradation of ecosystem and biodiversity, it's not something that is happening instantly. You know, it's something that is slow moving, but that is also represents a danger. Imagine a, a, a snow, um, an avalanche, you know, it starts relatively small and then it picks up pace as it goes down the mountain and it becomes much larger. The sooner you can intercept it, the higher the chances you have to minimize um, the destruction it will cause. The later you wait, the higher the risk of massive um, you know, destruction. And that's the same thing with what's happening to our planet. We do have this small planet called planet Earth, yet we're still spending billions to try and go to Mars, which kind of defeats the purpose, because there it's not livable. You know, we'll have to build domes. We have a perfectly livable planet, so let's try and divert some of those billions for actually saving it. Okay, so firmly in your opinion, it's not too late, but we've got to make the decision now to start turning things around. Yes, we've got to make to the say? decision. Well, actually, we should have made the decision yesterday or last month or you know a couple of years ago. <laughs> um, and that decision comes in different shapes of form. At the moment, there's a lot of conversation around climate change. That is the number one thing that keeps popping up around the world, which is, you know, you got to fight climate change. We got to offset those carbons. We got to reduce our carbon emissions. And these are all very important things to do. But there is another conversation which is too often ignored, which is about biodiversity. So what is biodiversity? It is basically all forms of life and how they're interconnected, whether we're talking about a great whale, a tree, a bee, an elephant, that's all part of the biodiversity. Now, we have, have heard, you know, in the press that, you know, the bees are, are in danger and that we're losing a lot of bees and that will have a massive impact to our ecosystems. And that's what I mean. You know, we need to start looking a lot more about the importance of biodiversity because it turns out biodiversity is closely linked to climate change. We are fighting climate change by planting trees, and that's wonderful. The problem is there's not enough land on this planet to plant all the trees we need to offset all the carbon that is already in the atmosphere. So what do we do? Right. We look at alternative solutions. And the other challenge, of course, is that planting trees does not stop ecosystem destruction of the oceans or of, on land, nor does it stop the sixth mass extinction that is purely man-made of species around the world. The elephant behind me, for example, is called an African forest elephant. They're going extinct in 10 years. That is not being covered at the moment by the conversations around climate change. So we need to have a more holistic approach to safeguarding our planet 
one that includes fighting climate change and protecting biodiversity. Okay, so Waleed, you, you strike me as a person that has a very distinct vision for our future. And yes. within that future, we've got Rebalance Earth. You're there to start help turning things around. How's that going to work? What's the, what's the mechanism that you're employing for Rebalance Earth? Yeah, so the, let me clarify a few points. I'm not a conservationist at heart. I mean, I, I don't, I'm not a tree-hugging person. I do love all these kind of activities, but that's not kind of my background. My background is I build startups, right? And, and the one I'm running at the moment is specializing in blockchain technology. Like yourself, it's a podcast. And it is through this podcast that I got to hear about the wonderful work that was done by Ralph Chami, who is the assistant director at the IMF. And what the what Ralph um, published is an article that says two things, which completely blew my mind. One of them is that a great whale, it's worth fifty thousand dollars in terms of its meat for the nations that still hunt it and eat that meat. Yet its carbon sequestration services that it performs in the ocean makes it worth two million dollars. Now, he did the same exercise for, again, those elephants behind me, the forest elephant, where their ivory is worth $40,000 for when they're dead. But their carbon sequestration services within the forest makes them worth $1.75 million. So when I read this, it, it, it put it in clearly black and white. What we all know is that we don't value nature. We only value nature when it's dead, when we eat it when we chop off the trees to make furniture out of it or whatever, but we do not value it when it's alive. And when, when I realized that it was just absolutely refused to accept that I don't want my eight and 10 year old daughters to grow up in a world that has this kind of values. I'm sorry. They're shit values. And I, I'm an entrepreneur at heart. So I said, I'm going to do something about it. I have to do something about it. There's no other ways of looking at it. And coming back to the conversation I was just saying about we need to focus on biodiversity and climate change. Well, you know what? What intersects those two worlds together is what's called a keystone species. Now, a keystone species is effectively a species that has a massive impact on any ecosystem comparison to its relative population size. If that species dies out, a whole ecosystem collapses. For example, the bees, they die out a lot of plants are going to die out automatically because there won't be any more cross-pollination. Equally, if you reintroduce a keystone species, then that ecosystem could flourish again. And there's a wonderful video by the National Geographics that demonstrated how what happened when you introduce 31 wolves in the Yellowstone National Park in the United States in 1995. The whole entire ecosystem came back to life because of 31 wolves. So by focusing on African forest elephant as an example of a keystone species, and you look at the whole range of ecosystem services that they provide, one of them, as Ralph pointed out, is their carbon offsetting services. Because what they realized is that if you look at the whole Congo basin in Africa, forest, tropical rainforest with elephants compared to those without elephants the ones with elephants capture 7% more carbon. And that's how you can build a valuation mechanism. But of course, the elephant does a whole lot. The forests in Gabon, in Western Africa, which are maintained, as Ian Redman 
a well-renowned conservationist says, the great gardeners of the rainforest, their work is what maintains the rainforest in Gabon. And the evaporation of humidity outside of those, out from those rainforests, actually provides the water to the people in Nigeria. That's another ecosystem services they provide. Now, the people in Nigeria are not paying for that ecosystem services provided by the elephant. But that's what we at Rebounds Earth are here to investigate, is how can we use keystone species like the African forest elephant to build a marketplace where firms around the world can offset their carbon emissions to those keystone species. And we, in turn, use that information and that money to be able to map out all the other ecosystem services that they provide. It is only by doing that and by building a marketplace around it where you can harness the power of the market forces to safeguard those species. Because it is unfortunate to say that in spite of the heroic, heroic effort of charities and not-for-profits, they have not been able to move the needle. So now we've got to see about how can we use pure, simple capitalism to safeguard them in a more effective manner. So let me make sure I've got this right. So if I'm a, an organization that has a carbon footprint of significance, if I can't drive that down to uh, net zero, I need to offset that by spending money on a project that does capture carbon. So if I sponsor two or three forest, forest elephants to the tune of, I don't know, $750,000 a year or whatever the price tag is, then that effect is me offsetting my production of carbon by sponsoring an alternative technology or whatever it might be that absorbs carbon. Is that right? Yes. I'm just going to put a few caveats to it. Sure. Because whenever you hear about carbon offsetting, uh, one of the big things that comes out in the press, and rightly so, is the risk of um, greenwashing which is basically is firms saying, you know, we can't be bothered to go through the expenses mm -hmm. of um, changing our processes to be carbon neutral. We're just going to offset them. They cannot and will not work with rebalancers. We will only work with firms who have made a clear public and measurable commitment by when they're going to hit carbon neutrality. Now, it is very hard to become carbon neutral. Sometimes the technology to change your process doesn't quite exist. So to take you on that journey to carbon yep. neutrality, we will support you by enabling you to carbon offset. But we're not going to brand ourselves as a carbon offsetting firm. We're going to brand ourselves more as you're buying ecosystem services that are provided by Keystone species that includes carbon offsetting. And the funds that are generated through that kind of marketplace goes mainly in two kind of buckets. The majority of the money goes in reducing, for example, human-wildlife conflict. Elephants are killed by poachers, and they're also killed by farmers who are protecting their farmland from um, elephants who get a little bit peckish, let's say. So what we're doing is we're using those funds to employ park rangers to protect the elephants, but also to reduce a human-wildlife conflict by saying, mm -hmm. did you know $1.75 million over 60 years, the average lifespan of an elephant, that's equal to $80 a day. $80 a day that can go and build schools, health facilities for your local community that can raise your living standards so that the local community sees the elephant as a, an asset that provides you know, facilities for them to raise their living standards so they will protect it. 
So that's the big first bucket. The second bucket is Rebounds is a for-profit organization. We're going to be applying to become B Corp is to use all our profits to invest in the science to be able to expand our platform to cover other keystone species. So not just the African forest elephant, but potentially also the, the orangutans in Indonesia or the lions you know, in Zimbabwe. It's about identifying other keystone species that have a major impact on their ecosystem and making sure that we can protect them in a, in a sensible manner. Okay, so that, that makes sense. So Rebalance Earth is all about helping responsible companies that have the vision for carbon neutrality on their journey to that end goal. I, I've got it. I understand. So that's really interesting. Bearing in mind that what you've discussed so far are keystone species that live in specific parts of the world, I'm assuming you've got to get some very robust sponsorship from local governments, local communities in those particular environments. What, what's been your experience to date? So the biggest, one of the biggest challenges about uh, the carbon offsetting markets is the risk of double counting. So just to simplify matters, let's say there's only 10 elephants in Gabon. I could potentially be selling those 10 elephants to a whole range of number of firms. So I'm double, triple counting each elephant. Um, and that is some of the risks that do happen in the carbon offsetting market. Now, we mitigate that risk using uh, two different processes. The first one is we've had uh, a number of very constructive conversations with uh, the Minister of the Environment for Gabon. So that Rebalance Earth is the sole entity that could be selling ecosystem services of their elephants. So from a government perspective, we protect um, the risk of uh, double counting as being the sole entity that can resell them. And then this, from a second mm -hmm. level is we're using um, enterprise-grade blockchain technology, not from the crypto space, but from the enterprise space to make sure also and to demonstrate from a technological standpoint that we're not double counting. So by interacting at a government level and at a technological level, then we're providing confidence to uh, the buyers that there's no double counting involved, that because we're using blockchain, we can provide them transparency, traceability, and trust in the platform. Okay. So knowing you as I do, you've got a ton of energy, but you can't be doing this on your own. Yes. Who else sits behind this mission with you? Who, who are the team players at Rebalance Earth? So this is the best part in some ways about this whole project is that it, it started off even before Rebalance was even an idea. It started off by the work that the conservationist Ian Redmond started when he did a number of... Uh, speeches and TED Talks intervention where he talks with great passion um, about how the elephant is the great gardener of the rainforest. Then, of course, there's the, the work that has been done by Fabio Bazzaghi, who is our chief scientist, in 2019 when he produced this um, paper that said that the elephants provide carbon sequestration services. And then there was been peer review on Nature magazine. Then has followed, of course, by, by Ralph Chami, the assistant director of the IMF and, and his team in terms of providing a valuation mechanism based on that science paper. So where we are now is based on the work of these individuals have done. So that's why I'm so excited that, you know, we partnered together. So Ian Redman, Ralph Chami and myself, 
around October time, we said, let's do something about this. And that's how Rebounds kind of came to life. But then in November, when we announced it on LinkedIn saying, hey, this is an idea. We'd love, you know, to get your support to join in that we built a team of 60 volunteers from all around the world, from all kinds of disciplines. Some of them are economists, others are marketing professionals, some are lawyers, we got musicians, we've got all kinds of skill sets. We got a 50-50 gender split, people based, you know, from North America to Europe, to Asia, to Africa, South America, from all kinds of jurisdictions. 95% of us never met, except through Zoom, Teams, you name it. Um, but what binds us together as a team is our vision to effectively change this destruction that we're having, the snowball effect I was talking to you about earlier on, and three principles, which is quite simple, really. It's to be human, have love, and give hope. And we're going to give it our damn best to launch this project later this year so that we can demonstrate that there is an alternative way to safeguarding our planet. Fascinating. So when you say uh, launch later this year, this sounds like there's a pilot project going to go live yes. somewhere in the world. Tell us about that. Yes. Yeah. So we are aiming to launch our first pilot in, uh, we're aiming for October of this year in the African country of Gabon. Uh, Gabon makes a lot of sense for us to do our pilot there. It has a great um, legal framework that, can, that we can leverage in terms of providing protection to the elephants. Um, there, um, the Minister of the Environment, um, Professor Lee White, is an established scientist and well-respected in the international community. Uh, so he has great credentials and, and is a wonderful person for us to, uh, to work with. Um, and he, of course, Ian Redman also has a very good relationship with the country of Gabon. So from many perspectives, um, it made a lot of sense for us to launch uh, in Gabon, our pilot. And we're, we've made partnerships left, right and center. We, um, Rebalance seems to be a bit of a honeypot where people want to rally themselves around and support this initiative. Uh, we've had wonderful conversations with um, the World Bank and a whole range of other entities. Um, because they love what we're trying to do. And they love the innovation of the model that blends science, that blends technology, and also I would argue that blends ethics altogether. Yeah, okay. That, that sounds like you've got a lot of support from the right people, which is fantastic. I love the expression honeypot, attracting <laughs> lots of interested parties to it. Um, but what strikes me is obviously this is something that requires corporate organizations to get behind with not just with their vision, but with their checkbooks. Yes. And what I'm really interested in is you're going to run this pilot later on this year. Have you, you presumably you've got a lot of interest from the corporate world and what you're doing. Has anybody actually reached into that vat of cash they've got for their shareholders and dished out some towards rebalance earth yet? So I think, Matt, you'll, you'll appreciate that any startup, you, you got to have, you know, a, a series of steps that you need to get uh, done first before you can um, appeal to, to buyers of a service or a product. Um, yeah. We're now getting closer to reaching that point so that we can approach the market with a, a validated 
proposition, and the key word here is validated. Um, so mm -hmm. we're, we're, we're doing a number of tests with a number of parties in terms of validating that proposition. So we want to make sure we're mm -hmm. using the, the right terminology, that we're speaking to the right people within the company, we have the right sign off to the funds, um, or else you know, large corporates can, can be a bit of a black hole. You can lose yourself in not knowing who's the right person yeah. to, to talk to. So we're doing our due diligence from that perspective. Um, we're signing up our partners, you know, with clear contracts so that when we approach the buyers that they feel that this is, you know, a solid proposition that has solid backing um, behind it. And once we've got all kind of these ducks aligned, then we will approach the market effectively. Having said that, we have had a number of conversations with some uh, corporates who are fascinated um, by what we're trying to do. I'd like for them to, in the right time, to open up their checkbooks and to put their money where their mouse is because fascination is, is great, but it doesn't pay protection of elephants. Yeah, that, that's the bit I find really interesting because I know you as a businessman and yes. I thought at some point there'd be a, a deeply well thought out commercial plan. So when do you think you're going to be ready to slip on the shiny shoes of the briefcase and go up to London <laughs> and, and get your presentations in the diaries? Actually, I'm gonna I'm gonna walk into the city of London on the back of a uh, sitting on the back of an elephant, and that's how I'm gonna get them all signed up. Is to say, come in here, or this elephant is gonna storm through your reception desk. No, and I, in all seriousness, um, there's gonna be a series of events uh, between June and July that uh, Rebalance is gonna be participating in, and we're also gonna be making yep. a number of announcements with our partners that says these are the commitments that they're making with us. Um, and uh, we're now open to, to business, but I expect that to happen at the latest by July um, so that we can sign them up in time to be part of this journey because there are a number of reasons why they want to be part of it, right? This is a world first. It has never been done before. And uh, we, we've been approached by a number of um, documentary companies who want to record this, you know, make, make a little documentary series on it. And so for them, it's going to be a great exposure, you know, to a global audience that demonstrate, you know, how innovative they are and how they're treating um, the planet Earth as something that they want to protect and respect as much as possible. So that will be good for their employee retention, employee recruitment, from managing their shareholders, from a PR perspective. It's a win-win-win for, for, for them at, at every single point of time. Um, but I expect those conversations to happen in July. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I couldn't agree with you more. And I think what certainly what we're seeing in all our channels and with all our peer groups and communities is there is a, a definite groundswell of interest in all things sustainability wise, uh, carbon neutrality, biodiversity, et cetera, et cetera. So I think, I think your words are going to fall on some very receptive audiences and, and I've got to wish you the best of luck with that, but I, I know you can do it. I've seen you in action before. Um, <laughs> I was going to just close on one thing though, that we're going to have probably quite a diverse uh, audience listening to the podcast and a lot of people listening in won't be able to influence that sort of corporate engagement decision. Hopefully some will. Um, you know, a lot of people would be just ordinary people like me. Uh, what can we do as a community, as a connected community, to support what you're doing in terms of Rebalance Earth? I think, Matt, we can both agree you're far, far away from being an ordinary person. <laughs> but in, in terms of 
<laughs> in terms of what you, the listener, can can do, we we have a a platform called the Guardian. Um, now the Guardians is kind of borrowed it from the the movies Guardians of the Galaxy, but it's the idea is kind of Guardians of Nature, and it's a platform that has uh, approximately two hundred people on it already, and these are individuals who who want to support, you know, as you said, you know, want to support us, who want to learn about, you know, the work that we're doing, but also who want to share some interesting initiatives that they're doing at a local level, you know, to protect the planet. We have a vision of how to do things, but there are many other interesting visions that exist around the world. And like yourself, you know, we have, you know, a podcast and a webinar, and we want to amplify those visions because it doesn't matter how successful we are, we're still going to be a relatively small drop in the ocean. So we want to magnify and amplify the voice of all these other uh, parties um, that join on um, the Guardian platform. I think there's just one more thing I'd, I'd like to add, if, if if you permit me, Matt, which is, you know, what is the big picture? Of course. Of course. What, 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 what is it that we're trying to achieve? And in the next three to five years, Rebalance will be demonstrating the value Keystone species have in terms of ecosystem services, including carbon offsetting. So we're starting off with the African forest elephants. And I suspect in the next few years, you know, we might try the savannah elephants, um, maybe the, the lions, the rhinoceros, giraffe, you name it. But the objective is if we can demonstrate this uh, in a number of other keystone species, then we can open up our platform for nation states around the world to upload their own keystone species by following our scientific mythology. Why this is this important? Because nations around the world, especially developing economies, who do not have perhaps a manufacturing base or a service base like some more developed ones, they usually have a, a relationship with natural capital, which is around extraction. You know, you dig out the oil, you dig out the ores, you dig out the gas, you chop off the trees. And the problem about this approach is that it's a finite one. You will eventually run out of things to dig out. So th there comes a problem. But imagine a country like Indonesia. Indonesia, for argument's sake, could be making a billion dollars from palm oil. That's basing itself on chopping off trees and planting palm trees, right? Now, imagine if suddenly they realized that if we were to upload the orangutans onto Rebalance, we could be making 2 to $3 billion a year. If that happens, then you're suddenly changing the narrative around natural capital from one about extraction to one around regeneration, where you're growing a biodiversity where you want to protect your forests, where you want to protect the orangutans in those forests because they are providing an ecosystem services which is of value to enterprises, households, and nation states around the world. And when we do that, then we will have achieved something that is very important, which is we suddenly have a mechanism to value nature, protecting it, and growing it back to what it used to be. And when we achieve that, then Fabulous. I'll be happy to, to, to take a nap. <laughs> Fabulous. So what what you're what you're defining there is a uh, what I would call a classic movement from a linear economy to a circular economy. Yes, which I think people all over the world in in positions of influence are recognizing that that is the future that we need to embrace. So that, that is an amazing vision, and I I really appreciate you sharing it with us, uh, Walid. It's been Pleasure. tremendous. So. I'm going to draw things to a close. Um, for anyone who's listening, Walid Al-Sakaf, uh, he is the founder and the, the visionary behind Rebalance Earth, um, has an extraordinary career in the insurance marketplace and startups, 
very well bred in uh, terms of technology as an exposure, uh, as an expert on blockchain and so on. He's been our guest today. I can't thank you enough, Walid. And anytime you want to join us again for another session, I'd be more than delighted to have you on the show. Thank you very much indeed. No, thank you for very much for, for having me, Matt. Um, just to precise, I'm the co-founder, along with Ian Redman and, and, and Ralph Chami. And if, any of your listeners, you're more than welcome to reach out to me on LinkedIn, or also you can check out more information about us on rebalance.earth. And Matt, thank you again very much for the opportunity, and I look forward to the next time. Wonderful.